So I do a lot of networking with vendors in Peterborough. If I'm either using them on my property, I pick up the phone, I get conversations going. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hey, Right Club Nation, it is Sarah Larby here. And before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out The Rock yet? Well, that's our Right Club online community. It's a place where you can find your real estate investing and business answers and network with like-minded people. And we've got interactive forums, all the podcast episodes, hours of videos, a wide range of real estate investing training and education tons of great information it's free to join be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com now on with the podcast right club community welcome back to this week's episode i'm sarah larby and i'm joined today by the wonderful laurel simmons my co-host hello laurel how's it going hey sarah it's going great and how are you today I'm good. I'm good. So we've, uh, we've got Jared on the show. He's been a longtime Bright Club attendee when we were doing our live meetings, supporter. He's currently living in Montreal, investing in Peterborough and Aurelia and a few other markets. So we talk about long distance investing, building processes. He's done tremendous since 2012, has 10 properties and has built some really good equity and cash flow. And I'm super excited to bring him on. But uh, before we do that, Laurel, what's new with the Right Club these days? Well, you know, our, uh, our website, hey, our community, our online community is up and live and going, and we'd love to see you there. Um, we'd love to see you make your comments in the, the forum, and oh, there's all kinds of information and content there for you. So we're really excited about that, and um, we're still doing our, our events, regional and uh, national, and... You know, this is still a challenging time for everybody. We know that and we're in this this little mess called COVID and it might be for a while yet, but I do see the end of the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And as we go through it, we'll, we'll come out and we'll, we'll start meeting each other in person eventually. But for now it's online, it's virtual. And um, we just, we'd love to hear from people, right, Sarah? We'd love to hear your comments, your posts, emails, whatever it is, however you, you can reach us, just do it, reach out to us. Absolutely. And guys, don't forget if you like and enjoy this podcast, please leave a rating and review and don't forget to subscribe. Let's, uh, let's bring in Jared and, uh, check out our podcast. I am, uh, I'm super excited to bring him on Laurel. Shall we, uh, shall we bring in Jared? Let's do it. All right. Jared, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. Sarah, yourself? Good. Laurel and I are excited to have you on the show. You've been on our podcast in the past. You've been a longtime Right Club supporter, um, and you are also a very successful real estate investor. So for the Right Club community that may not know who you are, can you give us a little bit of insights on who and what it is that you do? Yeah, so I started investing in real estate in 2012 in Niagara Falls, not really knowing, knowing what I was doing. I actually started investing at a distance right from the, the outset. So I was living in Ottawa and I heard about real estate investing through uh, a friend and how he bought a couple of condos in Niagara Falls. And I, I followed suit. I uh, definitely earned my stripes, dealt with uh, some challenges and since then have, uh, have grown to other markets and had, had a great time doing it. 
Awesome. So now you are, are, so where are you currently living right now? I live in Montreal. So I'm born and raised in Montreal. So you're born and raised in Montreal. You started in Niagara. Yeah. You, you moved to Peterborough down the road, uh, I guess a little bit closer to Ottawa. What does your portfolio consist of today and what is your real estate investing strategy? So I've got about 12 properties right now. I've got something like six or seven in Peterborough, a triplex in Aurelia. Uh, I just closed on a single family home in Windsor because that's where all the, everyone's going. So I'm just following along. And actually a recent exciting project is uh, recently closed on a, a sixplex in Hamilton. So Jared, and, and that, that's all that's really cool. And you're, you're um, you know, you, you've really grown a lot. And I'm sure when you look back like eight years to 2012, you go, wow, like, like you've done a lot of stuff and your portfolio has grown. But I always find it interesting when people say, I really didn't have a clue what I was doing when I got started, <laughs> because you know what? Danielle and I didn't either. And I know a lot of people who didn't have a clue what we were doing when we got started. And I think a lot of our listeners are in the same boat. So could you tell us a little bit about um, what, what were some of the, the pitfalls and what, is there anything memorable that that's, is in your memory about some of the things that went wrong and how'd you get out of it? Cause to me, those are all the, the fun stories, right? Yeah, definitely. And no one needs to hear about a story of a flip that went perfectly and someone got rich and then <laughs> <laughs> they lived happily ever after. No, uh, my first two properties, I inherited tenants, which for me, it was mistake number one, because I was an inexperienced investor. I didn't know uh, about tenants' rights. And the reason why I inherited them is because my biggest fear investing was that I was going to buy a place and I couldn't find someone to rent. But we know that's not a problem in most of the markets that we all rent in where we're control freaks, you know, we want to be able to uh, interview them ourselves personally, understand their financial background, their, their, their profile and, and approve them ourselves. So it's funny that the same thing that I, I was more fearful, fearful of bit me. And um, I don't, I definitely don't regret the experience because you learn how to deal with challenging tenants and challenging situations. And it required a lot of prying for information and patience. Yeah. Absolutely. And and you're right. In in many areas where there's a very low vacancy rate, such as most of Southern Ontario, you know, under for most parts under one and a half percent, finding your tenants are is not really going to be the problem. It's finding the best tenants, the right tenants, the ones that you're not going to have to take to the landlord tenant board and uh, and start applying the Residential Tenancies Act to. So, you know, how did that one end up? I mean, you you had tenants, you, you inherited them. You know, do you still have those properties today or did you end up selling them or what did you do? With them? I ended up selling both. I wasn't able to get a cash for keys situation with one of my tenants, despite offering $25,000 on a place that I spent $150,000 on. The rents had already escalated to such a degree where alternatives were, yes, more expensive. But, you know, you have people that, that just, uh, they like where they live and they don't want to move and you have to respect that. So, what I did with that unit was I said, look, I don't want to be this much of a pain. If he's not willing to take this amount, then uh, simply sell it uh, with the tenant in and uh, the, the next owner had to assume them. Um, so that was one of the condos in Niagara Falls. The next one was a, uh, a hoarder. And man, I, I learned a lot. So, you know, unfortunately, number one, it, it is a health hazard. Uh, you know, these people are obviously suffering um, in, inside to, to get to a state like that. And 
you know, I actually had the fire department in and you'd have junk from floor to ceiling. And as long as there's one means to egress, which is the front door, they weren't really responding proactively and, and even encouraging the, the tenant to, to change their, their lifestyle or, or to clean things up a bit. And I, uh, I definitely couldn't get them evicted. So I went the distance there and I, I contacted the tenant's son and he was helpful in the sense that he said, look, I want to help my mother get, get her out to St. Catharines where he was. And, and we were able to come up with an agreement where it's like, hey, you know, okay, well, if that's the case, we can stop paying rent now, provided that she's out in a few months. And uh, I see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but each, each was a unique situation and no one taught me anything. I had to learn this on my own and it was okay. You know, in the end, the market does its thing. We have been fortunate in that respect, but you, someone said it's tough to, to learn and look good at the same time. And, and that's it. You know, no, no one's going to pave you the, the perfect deal and, and guide you through every little step of, of the process. No one I know at least because they're, they're out doing it themselves. It's, uh, I mean, you've definitely learned a lot from, from back when you first started in, uh, in 2012, 2013, you know, when you, when you went through that, I mean, I'm sure you built processes and procedures down the road, decided to pivot to, um, after that experience. Yeah. Well, I, I know you're a big believer in systems, so I, I definitely got more organized, do, did my due diligence on properties and, uh, developed relationships with the property managers that, that I entrusted to manage my properties and, and understand, under, started to understand what they took into consideration as far as tenant profiles and, you know, it really impacted the, the choice of properties I took from there on in simply because I, I wouldn't invest in, in areas that uh, I wasn't comfortable with a, or call it a, a rougher tenant profile. So you mentioned uh, property managers. How did you find property managers? Because you know, a lot of people say, oh, go get a property manager to manage your, your property. But it's not, not quite, it, it sounds, sounds simple. And in a sense it is, you find a property manager, but it's not quite that easy because it's, it's, it's more complex than that, right? You got to figure out if that property manager matches your requirements and can look after the property. So how did you go about that? Especially the first, first one or two that you found. Yeah, well, the first one sort of managed itself. So I bought into the idea where uh, it was almost like a a REIT where you just put your money and you let someone manage everything and there's no contact with the, the tenant and you collect the rent. It was kind of like that. And then branching out from there, I, I've always worked with uh, real estate agents that own and, and usually manage their own rental income properties themselves. And I would recommend that to, to all your listeners. That's the number one place to start. And you know, work with their referrals. If they're in your market, if they're, they've invested in the market that you're in, uh, usually a reputation carries with property managers and, and they're going to steer you in the right direction because they want you to buy a second, third, fourth property with them. If they treat you well, then you'll, you'll come back if you experience that success and everyone wins, right? So I, I would say that's the number one um, piece of advice is in terms of looking for a property manager, work with your real estate agent that, again, it should, should be an investor themselves. Absolutely. 
So you're, you're talking about property managers, but you know, you're, you're living in Montreal, you've got properties in Peterborough, you've got properties in Aurelia. Like what are some of the things that you do to, to manage from a distance or, you know, manage the property manager from a distance, but what are some of the things that maybe an investor that's thinking of investing, you know, not anywhere within a, a two to three hour radius, but you know, maybe a plane ride away or, you know, an eight hour drive away, you know, what are some of the things that you do that you can share? Well, the, the world is flat and everyone can get in touch with everyone these days. So I definitely, even only a few years ago, wasn't doing as much as I, I'm doing now in terms of reaching out to these Facebook groups, um, networking groups that are that have investors in certain areas, right? So right now you see posts uh, for people who have wholesale deals or uh, have lending opportunities and have any question about anything real estate real estate related in a post and you have a, a whole host of answers so it's a fantastic resource so I'd recommend for anyone who's interested in investing in a certain market outside of doing your own due diligence on the the fundamentals is to connect with people that are already there you know I I love talking about Peterborough because I've been there for years and I, I have experienced some success so for me it's fun I'm happy to answer questions um, and and provide that uh, that guidance because I was there at the beginning, didn't know what to do, didn't know who to turn turn to, and um, essentially I would just reach out to to people who are already there doing what you want to do, and us, you know, you you don't need to I don't need to be in Peterborough to ask what's going on in Peterborough. As a matter of fact, I started a, a WhatsApp group about two years ago for Peterborough investors, we're now about 50 investors. So someone has a question, just throw it on the WhatsApp group. People answer, we're, you know, abundance over scarcity. We're all helping each other and uh, we all win, right? You want the right contractor. You want to know who not to use based on other people's experience. We're, we're sharing all that and we all win. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation, it's Sarah here. I wanted to take a moment and talk to you about private money for mortgages. As you've been building your real estate team, it is critical that you have a good source of private money, both for borrowing, but also to lend out should you want to make more money on your money. Have you been perhaps turned down for a mortgage or reached your max capacity in your borrowing power? Or are you buying distressed properties to burr or to flip that may not initially qualify with a regular bank type of lender? Or maybe on the other hand, you have money that you wanted to loan out on your terms rather than making the measly percentages that the banks are offering you. Well, Private Money for Mortgages is actually a boutique mortgage brokerage that specializes in private mortgages for both borrowers and lenders. And Susan has over 25 years of experience in real estate investing and her brokerage specializes in connecting borrowers and lenders to one another. And she's got many solutions for you. She says, when the bank says no, we say yes. So reach out at one 800 9320437 or 519-342-7295 or visits privatemoneyformortgages.com and that's the number four. Right Club Nation, remember as you build your real estate portfolio, chances are you will come to a point where bank-funded mortgages are no longer an easy option. Or you may need a short-term loan for 
a first mortgage for a flip or a burr, or maybe a second mortgage to consolidate debt. That is when they can help by providing different types of solutions. And also as a bonus offer, Susan said, mention this podcast when you connect with her and her team, and they will cover the cost of an appraisal for you to a maximum of $500. So either call at 1-800-932-0437 or 519-342-7295 or the website privatemoneyformortgages.com. And now back to the show. It's, it's definitely a small industry, right? So if somebody does a good job, you'll hear about it. And if somebody does a, not a good job, then I'll tell you the word does spread quite quickly because we all utilize each other for resources. So, I mean, that's, that's really well said. And I'll tell you that, you know, if you're looking, you know, you're a contractor or you're, you know, any types of trades and you're looking to get into this world, you know, if you mess with one of us, it's going to be hard because we all talk, <laughs> you know, unless, unless you're an investor that doesn't really, you know, participate in the networking and, and the events and the, in the Facebook stuff. But, you know, we, it is a small, it's a small world of investors out there. And the ones who are really good inevitably, well, sometimes they get too expensive or they're too busy, right? But uh, it's a good problem to have. And um, it, it's just, it's, it's a backdrop of great information that we can all use. Right, and I, I was just on a, a call with another investor who was asking for references on a co- on a contractor, and I'm able to refer him and give it to him straight and say, hey, look, uh, he's he's X Y Z. He he's um, definitely not expensive. He's uh, very honest, but the the timeline might take a bit too long, and um, he does things his own way. So as long as the investor can match that job with the contractor, we're okay because no one's perfect. No one's going to do it for under market on time and in perfect quality. Or if they, no. they are, then you, you pass me their contact info. And, and, but if they are, they're probably, it's probably just a certain Those amount of time money. until their price prices go up and they get too busy, right? Because everyone's going to be wanting to use them. And then all of a sudden quality goes down, the timelines go up, the price goes up and that changes. Yeah. <laughs> It's like you that. Ma- exactly. You need to match the contractor with the job as best as you can. There's some jobs that if you want to keep it simple, just paint and flooring, you know, you know who you're going to. If, if it's going to be a, a, a complex duplex, uh, you know, duplex conversion, then you might want Ken Beckendam on, on the job. Yeah, absolutely. So what, um, what type of, of deals are you doing? Can you share like maybe the financials on your last one, purchase price, what you did to it, yeah. um, that kind of stuff? So I'm going through a duplex conversion right now in Peterborough. This was a private deal. Now, this took a long time to get. So uh, I started the negotiations in, let's say, January of 2020. So it's a full year ago. And I eventually... Got to uh, got to a deal, so I, I purchased the bungalow for three hundred and fifty thousand. You know what's happened to the market in the last year, so you, yes, at the time I, I did get it under market value, but the market has still done its thing. Uh, probably appraised for close to five hundred now. Definitely wasn't planning that at the time. It might have been worth low fours, uh, but a great opportunity to do a duplex conversion because it has a rear entrance. It's got a tall ceiling in the basement and large egress windows. And I always recommend to other people you know, who are looking at these bungalows who are you know, we're, we're in a more competitive market now than ever, these, these are factors that you should be 
looking into in instead of just the price because uh, that hard money comes in after you've closed on the property and you're, you're putting it towards renovations. Every dollar that you're, you can avoid because it's already there helps you out immensely because you, you don't get 80, 80% loan to value on those dollars. Um, but long story short, I'll be able to convert it and, and it'll likely appraise for 575 or 600, get to a perfect burr and if I get another perfect burr in my life, that'd be fantastic, but I'm not, it, it's getting tougher and tougher out there. It's amazing though, isn't it? Because you, you talked about, you know, the, the, the bungalow having the, 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 the perfect egress windows. And, and it, it just, I, I remembered how when I first started looking at, at real estate, it was like, you know, you kind of look, it's almost like you're deer in the headlights, right? You're looking, oh, that's a nice house. I, and you don't really, you don't really know what to look for. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize that you do learn as you go along, because the first thing I do when I go into a property now is I go into the basement. One of the very first things I look at the, as the windows is, are they legal windows for egress services? <laughs> totally. Because you know what dollars, you know what you spent on before. Know. You know where your money went. <laughs> like we're talking tens of thousands of dollars to get those damn windows fixed. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, the backhoe in and the digging and the foundation and the da-da-da. And yeah, it, it, you really do learn about what's important. And it, it's the the HVAC and, and the, um, uh, the electrical systems and the plumbing. And it's who cares what the walls look like? Walls are easy to fix. Yeah. So that, that's the, uh, that's the advantage. And, and that's all part of the learning process, right? When you first come into a property, the people that are looking at the cosmetic repairs are, aren't focusing on uh, the important, the, the important structure of, of the house, uh, understanding what they want to turn it into and, and those costs. And I forgot to mention, I guess the, the real bonus on this one was it, it came with 200 amps. So there was enough power already to get the second suite. So I don't know what that cost. I, I'm not an expert in it, but I think it's around five or 10 grand that's likely saved. Um, all, everything counts. So uh, it's important to understand this information before uh, making your offer because you, other people might think that you're nuts offering a bit too much for the, for the house. But unfortunately in our markets right now, if you're competing on MLS, we're looking at uh, 20 to 30 bids per property. That's normal. I was checking out in Peterborough, there's 50 houses for sale. We're all looking at the same house. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation. We want to take a quick break from the podcast to introduce you to a longtime supporter of the Right Club and many members of the Right Club Nation, Mr. Dylan Suter of Elevation Realty. Dylan, take it away. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We as Elevation Realty are the sponsor for the real estate slot at the Right Club and we have been attending since the second Right Club. We are an investment focused, high volume real estate team serving the Golden Horseshoe from Oakville down to Niagara. If you are looking to increase your cash flows or you want to find an incredible opportunity, we deal with builders, we deal with off-market opportunities as well as we get very creative and negotiate the best deal for even on-market opportunities. We've helped a number of clients with the right club, find flips, single family rentals, duplex conversions, three and four unit renovations, all the way up to large residential buildings with high cash flow. 
a little bit about myself. If you haven't heard, personally, I've scaled over 300 doors in the last two years, which has given me a ton of experience in, in analyzing all the deals that may come across my desk for you. So if you're interested in learning more, please reach out to us at 905-592-4220, or you can email us at admin at elevationrealty.ca. That is admin at E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca. And let's sit down and create your investment dream portfolio. Guys, and I have to say, I stand behind Elevation and Dylan. They found me. My last few properties have done an amazing job. 100% recommend them. So thank you for all your hard work. Now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show. There, that's the problem, right? There's a shortage. And I'll tell you, investors are just like eager to go out and buy stuff. I mean, there's some cottages I've been looking at with like 40 offers, 40 offers. And it goes for like 300 grand, grand more. They're good deals priced as is, but once they start holding offers and there's tons. So obviously there's, there's the MLS, but there's other, other places to find deals. And you talked about finding this one off market. What are some of the, the strategies that you can share with us other than MLS, you know, how, how to maybe find different deals out there. And I know it's hard because there's not a lot of stuff, but what are some suggestions that you might have for somebody looking to find some more deals? So I do a lot of networking with vendors in Peterborough. If I'm either using them on my property, I pick up the phone, I get conversations going, you know, uh, I'll, uh, I'll speak with my property managers, my contractors, uh, you know, uh, what did I have to do the other day? Was it past pest removal, we had bed bugs in a unit. So I'm, I'm engaging them in conversations, understanding their business saying, Hey, you know, I, I've got a few places. I'm definitely going to need you again. Uh, by the way, part of my business is, you know, buying these raised bungalows or, and duplexing them or turning them into student rentals. So if you know anyone who's interested in, in selling privately, uh, I don't only buy them myself. I represent partners that are interested in, in purchasing them. And, uh, if you introduce me to someone, I'll, I'll pay your referral fee if I close on it. Between that, uh, online Kijiji, uh, Facebook, and I also do yellow letters. So I'll, I'll do a direct mail outs to, uh, to certain areas that I think have opportunities in them. And uh, you, you want a lot of fish lines going out, right? Uh, uh, you want to, to cast out as many messages as you can. So you have a, an influx of potential deals coming in and, and it's work and it's time and it's money, but it's worth it as we, we're in this very competitive market and um, it's all part of the game. That's um, a technique actually that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about is like direct mail. Um, so I assume you just go, you go to Canada Post and you, you, you select a certain area and on a, based on a certain postal code or postal codes and send out mailing. Is that correct? And, and yeah. how does it, like how, how um, how successful has that been? And like, what's been your return on investment? So you will get, you know, there is a high degree of variance there, Laurel. Sometimes you get no calls and you're spending a few thousand dollars and sometimes you get a few and the secret's out. People know what their house is worth, or at least they're, they, and sometimes they're, uh, they think it's worth more than it, than what it is. So um, I've been able to engage in, in a couple of deals that have worked out quite well. But it is, it is time and energy and, and money. And it's something that you really need to follow up meticulously in order to achieve sustainable results. It's something that you, you can't just do it once, say, ah, oh, it didn't work, and then do it again. I mean, some of the wholesalers 
in southern Ontario are sending tens of thousands probably a week. And that's, that's in line with their business. My personal goal is to, number one, acquire the property myself if I can and, and have it in my own name. Number two is if uh, for any reason I can't qualify is to take on a partner. And I would have wholesaling as my option number three where, okay, uh, option number one or number two don't work. So I'll collect a small fee. It'll be a win-win situation, win-win-win. I get a fee. The seller is able to, to deal with the hassle-free sale. And I'm passing it on to an investor that's hopefully going to turn it into a great rental. Yeah, absolutely. There, There's some great tactics. And I, I will say, you know, there's not the same amount of visibility in Canada versus the U.S. Like in the U.S., you can see who's behind on taxes, who's owned the house for a long time, who's actually an out-of-town investor. Like there is so much data that you can cultivate before you send the, the letters. You can, you know, go to people that are, you know, that got letters from the bank saying you, you're 30 days, 60 days, 90 days past due. There's so many more things that you can do. But in Canada, you've got to say, I'm going to, I'm going to go on this route for yellow letters, right. To, to mail them out. And you, and essentially that's where all the letters get sent to. So there might be, you know, a few people that are behind or that might want to sell, but you know, you, you don't have the same level of visibility. So it's like, almost right. like you've got to do it. You've got to keep doing it, but you have to do other things other than just trying to, you know, send out yellow letters because we don't have the, any idea of like who these people are versus in the U S you, you definitely know. Yeah, I, I know, Sarah, you're also a bigger pockets fan, right? And so am I. It's fantastic content. And I think if I go back those few years when I started 2012, 2013, 2014, before I started learning about Canadian content with Rob Brake and Sandy McKay, that was how I met my agent Rob. Um, I started listening to Bigger Pockets. There was a few other US podcasts where, yeah, you've got estate sales, courthouse deals, uh, tax liens, and you, you start learning about them, but like, I haven't applied any of that knowledge, but it's, it's all back here. It's, it's all in my head now. Um, to me, it, it seems overwhelming. I'm, I'm happy enough keeping it simple here. And to be honest, I respect that people have their privacy. Um, it's, a, it's a nicer way of living if not everyone knows about your own personal financial situation. It's, yep, that's you know, true. we want some, deg some degree of privacy. So I'm, I'm fine with that. Awesome. So what's next for you? Like, what, what are your plans for, you know, 2021? And, uh, you know, I don't know if you're still working or not, but maybe you can share that and then just what, what your plans are and your goals are for, for this coming year. Yeah. So, uh, still working. Uh, I'm software salesman at POCA. It's uh, manufacturing. We help, we help manufacturers with, uh, digital, digital content. And outside of that, it, it's full-time real estate. So, uh, I'm currently at 12 properties looking to get to 20 by the end of this year. Um, I'm currently looking in markets outside of Peterborough simply because, and I believe we're aligned here, uh, Sarah and perhaps Laurel, I, I begin with cash flow first because I believe and I encourage investors to, to think this along the same lines. In order to build a portfolio, you need cash flow because if not, lenders will just cut you off at a certain point and you're not kidding yourself, right? So uh, I've, for that reason, I've started branching out to other markets like Windsor and I just lined up a, a deal in Cornwall in June where it's simply so affordable and I know I'll be able to uh, 
get $500 a month in cash flow. I, I'm having trouble doing that in, in Peterborough and other markets. So um, my goal is to, to get from 10 to 20 properties by the end of this year and then scale up from there. But I, and you know, it's, it's great that you have this in your right event. You, you should be writing down your goals. This is the time of year. I, I think you mentioned this will be out only out in June. So it'll be different for our listeners, but right now it's, uh, it's January. And uh, one thing that's really helped me out immensely uh, outside of coaching is well, part of coaching is write, write down your goals, right? Write them down in the beginning, write them down at the end of the day. And you'll really be surprised the impact it has because they'll be at the forefront of your mind and you have to perform. It's always there. It's not a what if, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't get put aside. It, it, it's part of your vision and it's, this isn't woo-woo stuff, it works. So I strongly encourage your listeners to start writing down your goals. If, you're, if your goal is to buy one property by a certain date, write it down, make it, make it a, a focus, start creating a plan, get pre-qualified with a, with a great broker, reach out to people in that market and start to understand how to access deals and, and make things happen. And, and they do, but you need to start taking action. And, and you're right, Jared, as soon as you write it down, then you're making a commitment. You're making a commitment to yourself. And that's like the most important commitment there is. And it's there. You can't, you can't ignore it, right? If you just talk about it and think about it, well, that's it's just kind of out there. As soon as you write it down, it's in your face. You know what's funny? I and uh, I was like a little kid. I think it was September, and I was at seven, and I was, I my goal was ten by the end of the year. So I remember in the morning in my head, I was like eight, nine, ten, eight, nine, ten, eight, nine, ten, and I know I sound like a bit of an idiot saying that, but the truth is, I was able to uh, just put it there and start making a lot of offers. I, I had to succeed. I had to hit it by the end of de December because it was part of the goal. And so I, you kind of condition your subconscious to make sure it does happen. And um, I'm not that level right now where I'm doing one, two, three, one, two, three, but the idea is, you know, you have the time and uh, it, it really has a big impact on performance when you, when you plan and write down your goals. If not, um, things tend to slip and you, you never failed if you never wrote it down, right? It was never, it was never goal to begin with. So how did you, you, you couldn't fail. And it's um, it, safe. It's, it's safe, right? Mechanism. Yeah. You can do anything you want. It's a wish. It's a dream because yeah. you didn't write it down. So are you thinking about um, going outside to other provinces like um, the East coast, for example? Cause I know there's a lot of stuff going on down there. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested I don't have much of a network out there. Unfortunately, I've heard great things about New Brunswick and Nova Scotia, uh, Moncton, Fredericton. I was actually on a call with a guy from Fredericton who's got two townhouses the other day. Um, I am interested, and, but I haven't started diving in there. Uh, I, I understand that we're all investors after cash flow and affordability right now. So with the current situation in COVID, you know, there's, there's a, a race to land. There's a race to space. We, we all want it. It's, it's, in, it's more desirable. There'll be increased opportunities, I believe, with bu buying large lots of land. So even if the city right now is not going to approve me on uh, you know, either severing a lot or uh, 
uh, a teardown to build a multi, they will years from now because intensification is real and it, it, it's uh, those who own the, the larger lots of land will win in the long run, I believe. I, I think that also brings up an interesting, the interesting concept of the fact that people, I think now are just so focused on buying another property, buying another property. And they're not thinking long-term and bigger picture because the reality is that real estate will always be there. How we approach it, what you know, methodologies and techniques we use. Yes, they come, they go, this is in favor and that's not, and then something else will come along. But it's about thinking, always keeping an eye both on, on your goals and what you want to what, what you want to accomplish and how like the, the steps you're putting in place to accomplish it, but also keeping in mind that that you know things you have to be flexible and things do change and that there are many ways to make uh, money in real estate. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, I'm having fun branching out to other markets. A lot of people think I'm crazy that I'm in Montreal and investing in Peterborough, but the truth is once you establish and build these relationships with your property managers and contractors, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's not that hard. It's not that hard. So I know, for example, let's say we're talking about uh, Halifax. I know how to start there if I wanted to. I, I know exactly what steps to take at the beginning. I would know uh, how to analyze the cash flow, who to network with, and um, get a lot of information very quickly. So, you know, on that note, it's there's no real excuse anymore to to not take action in my mind. Yeah, it's definitely easier to branch out once you've got the experience and the and the success and and the, and some of the downside, you know, or downfalls that you've had early on and you've developed you know, things to, to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So, you know, for, for me, it was very similar to you. I started in Brantford and then I, I branched out when I had, you know, more confidence, more experience. Um, and, you know, I am looking at, at, uh, at the East coast as well. I'm looking at different options and, you know, ultimately if the deal, if the deal makes sense, the deal makes sense. And, uh, and so hundred percent, I agree with that. So Jared, I mean, we can keep talking for, you know, many, many more hours because you've got tons of information and, and uh, I really enjoy our conversations. But the next part of the podcast is our lightning round. So Laurel and I will ask you a series of four questions in total. Everybody gets the same questions. You're going to give us the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Let's go. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. All right. So question number one, Jared, what is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event? I'm going to repeat the same words I said uh, about a year ago from my main man, Tom Sullivan. Once you have a few properties, I'm not saying sit back and enjoy yourself, but understand that you're doing, you're doing well and don't get caught up in, in acquiring as many properties as fast as possible and just, just for your ego. 
enjoy the process, enjoy the ride. All right. What is your favorite resource for real estate investing? And it can be anything, book, training, person, event. What's your favorite resource? You know, I really like podcasts. I do uh, read a lot, but I, I enjoy podcasts because especially these days, I, I like getting out and, and walking and it's just a, a great type of therapy for me now. So uh, Bigger Pockets, this podcast, uh, Tom and, and, um, and Nick Cardaz's podcast is great. Um, so many out there that uh, are fantastic. Absolutely. And it's free information and you can do anything that you want while you're listening to it. So, and get the um, subject, awesome. right? I don't need to learn about, you know, uh, I don't know, land development. Not that I have anything against it, Sarah. I know you're part of that now, but <laughs> I can't lose my focus right now. So you can pick this, the topic that interests you. That's true. All right. Number three, Jared, what is the one attribute that has made you most successful? I'm an action taker that once uh, I have enough information, I'm able to execute and I don't look back. I, I think who, who, not how, who's going to help me and, and figure it out as I go along. Good for you. Yeah. Action that really kind of sums it up. So question four, what do you typically do on a Sunday morning? I, uh, I used to run, I, I have mild asthma, so it's rough in the winters actually, but I'm right by a canal, it's fantastic. But I really do enjoy exercising. Uh, I run, I swim. I like taking my Sunday as my, my day off where I'll either get a lot of chapters out of the latest book or do uh, a long run and get a lot of exercise in, a nice long walk for an hour or two. Um, Sunday is my reset, recharge day, that's for sure. Awesome. It's always good to have a recharge day. That was uh, our lightning round, Jared. Thanks for playing. Where can our Right Club community reach out and know more about you? Awesome. Yeah. So I'm fairly active on Instagram. I like posting what I'm doing and reaching out to other investors is the same. Uh, my handle is jaredh55. So that's a great way to get a hold of me. Also, my email is jared at hatleyfunds.com. If you have any questions about the markets I'm in or any questions at all, I'm, I'm always happy to talk. That's Very great. cool. Thank you. Any final last words of advice. Once you have enough information and everything and 75% of it checks out, just buy the place, figure it out after. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Jared, for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much. So Sarah, wow, Jared's really, uh, he's got a lot of stuff going on, hasn't he? And it was so interesting to hear him talk about, especially at the beginning, because he didn't, he wasn't success overnight, was he? No, I mean, you know, and, and it's one of the, the things that he did in the beginning, there's probably a lot of people thinking, oh, that's exactly what I'm worried about is buying something and not having tenants to be able to, to start paying you your rent and having to carry it. But I'll, I'll tell you in a lot of areas, depending on where you are, but especially in Ontario, that is not the problem. The problem is, is finding the, the right tenants that are going to be there, not forever, actually. <laughs> but he took a house, he bought it, he had tenants in it, 
And you know what, sometimes you, you, you learn from doing and, uh, and I, you know, guarantee you he's never done that again. He hasn't, but he's been successful and he, he looked at, you know, how to get out of that. And I thought it was really, really quite interesting, but I'll tell you somebody getting started in real estate investing, that might be very well. Their biggest fear is buying something and not being able to rent it out or find tenants. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, we, we always learn more from, I don't want to say making mistakes. Well, we do learn more from making mistakes, but we also learn a lot from things not going the way we, they, we think they should go. And obviously that, that was the case for Jared. But in terms of tenants, it's like, it doesn't really matter whether it's a good market for finding tenants or a bad market for finding tenants. You want to find good tenants, right? Regardless. Mm -hmm. So it's about setting up those processes and systems to find good tenants. Absolutely. I mean, guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, again, please leave a rating and review. And Laurel, it's always a pleasure having you on as my co-host. And, uh, you know, cheers. I don't, I don't think we have wine right now, but uh, I know you're a big, uh, a big wine connoisseur. So guys, I hope you, uh, you enjoy a nice drink uh, and uh, have a great rest of the day and weekend. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.